0: We have a wonderful privilege to have Kara Stromberg here, no stranger to this place. Come on up. Come on up. She does a marvelous job of, for our Northwest Conference, assisting churches in the area of children and youth, and it's wonderful to have you here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks, Mike. Welcome. So glad to be here. Let's give her a warm welcome, she Thank here. you. great. People don't usually clap before the sermon. I feel like maybe the bar has been set a little bit high. Um, well, thanks for that welcome, Mark. It is great to be back here. Um, I serve as the Director of Children and Family Ministries for the Northwest Conference, and you may be familiar that the conference is the regional arm for our denomination. So we have 145 churches in Minnesota, uh, the Dakotas, and Western Wisconsin, and I get to work with with all of those churches in varying degrees, helping them uh, understand their ministries with kids and families. So, uh, children and youth ministry is near and dear to my heart. You may have heard that I used to work here. Uh, this is where I started off in ministry. Uh, you took a chance on me and you hired me right out of college. Uh, I was just starting seminary in 1999, and I served as a youth intern here, and then um, Uh, Pastor to youth and families until about '06, and so I am grateful, and it's so fun to come back and see many familiar faces and many new faces, and um, the teal sanctuary is still beautiful. Um, So I love that. Um, You may be thinking, so when I served here, um, we had our first child. You may remember Ben as an infant, Um, and we joked that we could have come in the narthex, and handed him off to someone, and gone for coffee for at least an hour while he was being passed around, um, and we, um, people may not have noticed that we were gone. We didn't do that, uh, but we certainly could have uh, because of the love, So the love that we felt here. So Ben's now in eighth grade. Uh, we've added Greta, who's in seventh, and uh, Juniper, who's in first grade. And now I owe them each a dollar for saying their names in church, and I probably made a lot of you feel really old. Sorry about that. Let's move on. Working with kids and families uh, in my role at the conference and also in my work with different churches is so um, wonderful because it's a constant reminder to me that the kingdom of Jesus is flipped completely upside down. Uh, In a culture and in a society that values things like efficiency, and strategy, and wealth, and, um, and, um, and just other things that, that demonstrate success. Uh, Jesus always made time for those who were on the outskirts of society, uh, those who were sick, um, those who were, were ill, those who, um, the women, the children, all sorts of people. Jesus welcomed freely. And it's a constant reminder to me that Jesus's ministry is upside down. And so I think we can learn um, so many things from kids and ministry with kids and having children and teenagers in our midst and a part of our body of Christ. Uh, This time of year, there's a lot of emphasis on kids and on teenagers as we get ready to send them off to school. Uh, Some of you parents are doing the happy dance, and that's okay. We can celebrate that as you get ready to send your kids off to school. Uh, But even if you don't have children in your household. You can't really escape um, realizing that there are kids around you. You can't go to Target without seeing all the displays for back to school. You can't go to the state fair without going five feet without being clipped in the ankles by somebody's stroller. Um, Children are around us, whether they're in your home or not. And so I pray for uh, the teachers, the healthcare workers, the social workers, um, anybody who works with young people that um, we can take some time this morning to evaluate and think through critically and missionally uh, how God can use kids and families in our midst to show uh, Christ to all of us. Um, research shows that, that those who make a decision to follow Christ are most likely going to do so as a young person. Okay, so this is the participation part of the, of the, of the sermon. Um, how many of you started off as a young person? Okay. <laughs> It's a trick question. Thank you for going with me. Um, how many of you accepted Christ as, as an adult? Those of you who are walking with Jesus, how many came to faith as an adult? It's great. Okay, a few of you. How many of you came to faith as a high school student or younger? Okay, and how many as a child? Let's say, let's say middle school or younger. So quite a few, I would say most. Uh, and research uh, backs that up. We know that young people, specifically children, are ripe to hearing the gospel, and they are open and receptive to God's work in their life. That's why things like VBS and children's ministry and youth ministries are so very important because kids just love that kind of stuff, and they take that back to their families. And through the ministries of our kids, uh, we, have, we have the um, ability to influence families and bring parents and older siblings and grandparents into faith with Christ. Uh, continuing on, research also shows that the moral foundations of children are essentially set by the age of, of nine. So by moral foundations, I mean kids' ability to discern right from wrong. This is good, this is bad, this feels right, this doesn't feel, feel right. So around age nine, kids are starting to figure that out. Research um, shows that regarding all facets of moral and spiritual development, whether related to worldview, beliefs, or behavior, that development starts as early as age two, So the little kids, the two-year-olds that you don't even see in this worship service because Pastor Heidi's taking care of them in the nursery, um, are already starting to form spiritual beliefs and a worldview and understandings of how God is at work in their lives. We can show the love, love of Christ to these little tiny punkies in the nursery simply by holding them, rocking them, loving them, and already instilling in them a sense that church is a safe place. There are people who love me here at church. And that's demonstrated as early as in our nurseries. So anyone who tells you that children are perhaps to be seen and not heard, or that kids can't possibly understand the deep things of God, or that children's ministry is just babysitting, or that we should not waste time trying to help those who are far from God enter into relationship with Jesus through the ministries of this church, don't have a complete understanding of the role of children in God's kingdom. In my role at the conference office, I'm usually the one to field the calls about uh, background checks and safety procedures and what curriculum should I use, and all that is very important. Uh, if your curriculum, pick one. They're probably all variations of fine. Uh, background checks, there's lots of great companies. You can go do that. Those are great questions to be asking. But the questions that I really love to answer and to talk through churches with have to do with helping churches think critically and missionally and theologically about the role of children and young people in their midst. In other words, how God views children and what Scripture tells us about young people are instrumental in our understanding of ministry with kids and young people. So this morning I want to remind you of of six biblical truths that have been instrumental for me in helping to understand how God views young people, and I pray that this will inform your ministry both inside and outside the walls of this church building. Uh, The first one I want to share with you is that children are made in the image of God. If you've been to Sunday school, you know this. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 gives a clear theology that at the point of creation, humankind was created in the image of God, and obviously this includes the little ones. We don't have to grow into this Psalm 139 speaks of how before we were born, we were knit together by the Creator Himself with purpose, intentionality, and care. So we have an ethical and biblical responsibility to respect, love, and care for children simply because of who they are. So in all of our interactions with children, we remember that they are God's beautiful, treasured, loved creations, and they bear the mark of our Creator. So whether these are the children in your family, the children in your lunchroom, the children uh, in your hospital room, all of these young people were created with the mark of the Creator on their lives simply because of who they are. Number two, children are a blessing from the Lord. Genesis 1:28. As God's crowning touch on creation, God instructed humans to be fruitful and multiply. I also heard a pastor just say this to a married couple as they got married, as he was sending them off to married life, and I thought I was going to die. It was so um, um, embarrassing, really. Um, But it's in the Bible. Um, Psalm 127.3, Solomon reminds us that children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward from him, bestowed out of God's great and lavish bounty. Children are to be cherished simply because of who they are, a part of God's beautiful and creative work. So regardless of what their parents have done, or how they got here, or what type of home they're being raised in, whether the kids are loud or quiet, or well-behaved or complete rascals, the presence of children in this world is a reminder that God is abundantly generous, And kids are a vital piece of the story of God's redeeming work among us. We're reminded in 1 John 3:1 how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That includes all of us, but we see that demonstrated most clearly through the presence and noises of children in our midst. Number three, parents are to pass on their faith to children. God created the institution of the family with the intention that parents would pass on their faith to their children. We're all instructed in Deuteronomy 6, uh, um, verse 4, thank you, Paul, for reading that, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So He tells us what to do, how we are to love the Lord. And then he goes on to say, these commandments are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, talk about this stuff all the time, because this is really, really, really important. Ephesians 6.4 emphasizes that parents are to bring up their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. So the family unit is primarily where the legacy of faith is passed down from generation to generation. For some, of us, for some of us, this requires a shift in our thinking. Uh, the Fuller Youth Institute describes this as a shift from dry cleaner parenting to a ministry partnership. And I'm indebted to, to the scholars at Fuller Youth Institute and their sticky faith research for this image. But if you think about what dry cleaner parenting signifies, um, I don't do a lot of dry cleaning because I'm not a very fancy person, but I understand that you can take your soiled items to the dry cleaner, wad it up, and they will clean them and press them and have them back for you on a nice hanger wrapped in plastic, ready to go. And sometimes we, um, as parents, think of the ministry of, of the church as sort of dry cleaner parenting. As parents, we want to drop our kids off at the church and send them to Sunday school or youth group or the formation activities or retreats, mission trips, whatever, and pick them up on the tail end, all pressed and ready to go and theologically formed and Then we can get back in the minivan and go home and say, well, where are we going for lunch? And then we go on to the next thing. Today's parents are really good at getting other people to teach our kids stuff. My kid needs to learn to swim, swimming lessons. They want to learn piano, call Jenny Curry. Uh, Kids need help with math, get a tutor, even potty training. Apparently, you can get people to do that for you. I wish I had known that. It would have been so awesome. The problem is that the outsourcing of the spiritual formation of our kids to the church was never how it was intended. God's desire was always for the church and the home to work in partnership with passing on faith uh, to this next generation, to our children. And when I say our children, I mean all of our children, whether they're in your home or in your classroom or in your extended family or in your neighborhood. These are all of our children. Uh, So for those of you who are parents, we sometimes have a hard time with this because we make a lot of excuses. I get it. I make these excuses too, such as I don't know my Bible very well. I can't teach my kids what I don't know. I have my own questions and doubts. I'm super busy. You don't understand how busy I am. My kid doesn't want to talk to me. Our relationship is strained and parenting is hard. Or church does it better. And in the words of my friend and mentor, Tiger McLuhan, who ran an organization called Youth Leadership for many, many years, he always had this to say to parents. Now, ready? this is really deep. You might want to write this down. He says this to parents who make all sorts of excuses for why they can't teach their kids the faith. He says, get over it. (laughs) So parents, you don't have to be an expert or have all the answers before you can model faith to your kids. We can bring our questions and our doubts and our wonderings, and we can explore that and wonder about that together. Because if you break it down simply by how many hours we all have to spend together, uh, parents probably have around 3,000 hours a year with their kids, depending on all sorts of things. But kids probably only spend about 40 hours a week at the church, and that's with really good church attendance. So as one of my pastor friends put it, he said, the church simply isn't that good We can't out-influence what goes on in the home. So, church and home together in ministry partnership, helping to build and instill faith in our kids. Now, I have a word for some of you. Your kids are grown, they're out of the house. Maybe you're thinking, oh, shoot, too little, too late. We never stop praying for our children, and we never stop modeling faith for our children And whatever kind of relationship we have with them. God is still faithful, and I'm going to talk more about that at the end. So number four, having said all that, it's not an either-or between the church and the home, it's a both-and. The whole church bears responsibility for children and families as they become fully devoted followers of Christ. I find it fascinating that in the New Testament, Paul and Timothy's relationship is described as family. They're not related to each other. Paul does credit Timothy's mother and grandmother with instilling faith in this young man. But then in 1 Timothy 1-2, he refers to Timothy as his spiritual son. So similar to the Apostle Paul mentoring and investing in Timothy, his spiritual son, the entire church body is involved in equipping children and families to live into all that God has called them to be. This whole church community shares the burden of raising up godly children and helping parents bring faith into the home. Here's where I think the acts of baptism and child dedication are are vital and such a beautiful reminder that we're all in this together with our kids. To invite parents to bring their children forward for the sacrament of baptism or for dedication as a child is to ask them to believe that their kids don't just belong to them and their own family system, but that these kids first belong to God. These kids also belong to this church family and to this community. And not just this church community at this place and time in this room, but the timeless community that represents all of God's people. Baptism and child dedication are much, much bigger. It's an invitation to mold and shape that child in ways that represent being a follower of Jesus. So this church is concerned for children in this congregation, but also children in our community and children around the world. Uh, To do this well requires a shift Again, in thinking from a two-table church to welcoming young people all around a family table. And again, I'm indebted to the Fuller Youth Institute for this image. And I just want to give you this this image as you think through what does ministry with kids and families look like in this church? So, Fuller Youth Institute talks about a two-family table. So, if you think about this, this image has its origins in Thanksgiving. As a child, I have great memories of going to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, and the table would be set beautifully. It was a long table with a white tablecloth. The butter was in a stick, in a dish. There was china, and there was all of the silverware. There was a centerpiece and candles. But that's not where the kids sat. The kids sat at the kids' table, table, right, a rickety card table in the kitchen. For lots of good reasons, right? I mean, as a kid, that was awesome. I didn't want to have to sit at the table any longer than I had to. The kids loved it. The adults loved it. It can be a win-win. So this may work well for thanksgiving, but this principle when applied to the church is not all that helpful for the spiritual growth and development of young people. When you're always separating kids and youth out from the rest of the church and sending them to age-appropriate programming, we shouldn't be surprised if they graduate from high school and really have no interest in coming back to the church because there's never had a lot of opportunities to actually be in the church. Now, I'm not ripping on all the kids that went out to children's ministry age-appropriate Programming is wonderful and good. I'm saying let's look for additional ways to incorporate kids and young people into the broader life of the community so that we can have this mentality that we're all around this one family table. We are all the church together. It's not kids' ministries, youth ministries over there, and then real church here. We are all the church all together. So kids grow in faith when surrounded by loving, caring adults and when others in the church know their name and know their story. This is not a program your staff can implement. This is a cultural shift that starts with each and every person here in this congregation. In children and youth ministry, we talk a lot about ratios, as in how many leaders do I have to recruit to manage this class of 12 kids? We'll say either 1 to 10, 1 to 7, whatever. One leader can handle 10 kids. But what if we flipped this on its head? And what if instead of thinking how many leaders do we need to manage these kids, What if we said, how many um, loving, caring adults can we get to surround one kid? So what if we said the five-to-one ratio was flipped? And for each and every kid, we made sure that they had five loving and caring adults to surround them, love them, ask about their day, know their name, pray for them, someone that they could call when life is both good and difficult. Some kids in your midst have way more than five, They have loving, extended family and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. That is awesome. I praise the Lord for those kids. Some kids might have a hard time coming up with five. And this is where this group of people comes in. So the question I have for you this morning is, in what ways can you maybe be one of the five for some kids? And if you're a young young person here in this congregation, can you name five people that you could go to uh, with, with questions of life when life gets hard? Uh, and if not, maybe talk to um, one of your pastors about maybe coming up with some more people to add to your list or one of your teachers. Um, so I pray that we can, we can help flip this ratio around and we can see the one-to-five principle as a way to come around and surround and love our kids. One caveat I do want to mention here as we're talking about um, building healthy families. We want to be careful not to um, worship the family. Um, I, sometimes we have these conversations about um, family ministry tends to imply families with young kids and children's ministry, and I want to broaden that definition. Uh, family can mean extended family, it can mean families with grown kids, it can mean absolutely single people and communities of people that have committed to doing life together. Um, so when I say family, I don't always necessarily mean parents with, with young kids. We can broaden that definition of family. So I'm hoping that most of you could name a caring adult mentor friend or teacher who invested in you when you were younger. And adults, I pray that whatever your life stage, you can have opportunity to invest in a young person as well. Uh, Number five, children model faith formation for the community of believers. I found that children are needy, they're dependent, they have this unfiltered curiosity which can be a beautiful inspiration for those of us that are following Christ. So as Christ's followers pursue faith that is utterly dependent on our ability to receive a lavished and unearned gift, God's grace, we look to the example of children. Again, in Mark, Mark 10, Jesus says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Jesus came as a helpless baby. That should be a great example for us of what it means to follow Christ as a child. Uh, but as adults, sometimes it's, it's hard for us to grasp this. I was reminded of this when one of my children was younger and I took him in for um, the doctor's appointment. And the tradition at the end of a doctor's appointment is the nurse comes out and offers stickers to the kid. And that's the highlight of the visit. So she handed this basket of stickers to my child and she said, choose a sticker. And He was taking his sweet time looking through these stickers. He would look through one sticker, nope. Look through another sticker, nope. And I was kind of doing the anxious new mom thing. Okay, buddy, come on. That's great. Pick a sticker. Pick a sticker. Let's go. It's time to go. And the nurse looked at me and she kind of put me in my place and she said, "Don't rush him." She said, "This is the favorite, my favorite part of my day. I love watching them choose." <laughs> Of course she's right. Who am I to, to insist that my child move faster picking a sticker? Because why? What else did we have to do that was more important in that moment? And I think that's one example of how children can, can lead us and can teach us to slow down and to be intentional uh, through life. A while back, I was, I was tucking in one of my children, and we were praying together, and he said, Mom, sometimes I don't know if I'm following Jesus or he's following me or what. And I said, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's these moments with our kids that I think they have the ability to teach us things that sometimes we adults don't miss, or excuse me, sometimes we miss because we're so fast paced and strategic and we we just want to get through our list and children kind of go through life like this. And perhaps it would be wise for us to go at that pace once in a while and see what God has to teach us. The final thing I want to say is that ultimately we entrust the spiritual formation of kids and families to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Children's faith formation is fundamentally about nurturing their relationships with God. So we, all of us together, are mindful and attentive to the Spirit's work so that we can be a part of it and so that we can help foster environments where children and families can freely encounter the living God who desires transformation for all of us. And sometimes when we engage in that work, it's going to be messy. It's going to be literally messy because your fellowship hall is going to get turned into a youth room and you're not going to be able to be in there for a while because the kids are taking over. In fact, the kids have taken over that whole half of the building. Isn't that awesome? Because we trust that the Holy Spirit is at work here in our midst and that somehow God is using all of us in whatever life stage you're at to be a part of that work. So I don't know if for you if it means... You volunteer in programs, if it means you um, try to raise your kids with more intentionality, if it means you're going to be the best aunt, uncle, grandparent, neighbor that you can be, uh, whatever it is for you, I pray that God is at work in all of this. And we trust that the Holy Spirit has got these kids. And for those of you that are maybe a little more um, heartbroken about your kids, maybe your kids have grown and you're thinking, oh shoot, I just wish maybe things have been differently. I wish I had another chance. God has got this. I don't have um, an understanding all the time of how God works, but I trust that God is at work and God knows your situation and God knows your kids and he loves your kids so very much. And we can trust that God is going to provide other people to surround your children, um, to, to bring them to the Lord. I really, really believe that. Um, so I, I hold on to that hope um, for these adult children um, that we're, we're lamenting sometimes, too, in our midst. Um, so we trust that God loves these next generations even more than we do and that the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives. We entrust our kids, all of our kids, to the work of the Lord, and we join the Apostle Paul in his confident prayer for the church in Philippi, where he says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you... be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So may the Lord bless you in your work, in your ministry with young people. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of children and teenagers in our midst. Help us to see them with your eyes, with compassion, with love, with mercy, and with hope. God, these are beloved children who bear your image. Help us to remember that in all of our interactions And God, go before us. We trust that you've got these kids and you love them even more than we possibly could. In your name we pray, amen.